Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. In this episode, I'm recording it on Thursday, September 13th, and we're going to talk about a little bit of an algorithm update, um, some changes, some things that are not working properly in Search Console, and also um, a new type of manual action, and a bunch of little tips that uh, we've picked up over the, the week in Search. So first, let's start talking about algorithm updates. There's been a lot of chatter of an update that seems to have happened sometime between September 8th and September 11th. With that said, I checked all of the sites that I have access to and there really aren't a whole lot of changes that I'm seeing there. We had a couple of clients that are seeing a bit of an uptick. Um, uh, some of those though normally see a seasonal uptick so it's hard to say you know is this the algorithm update that's happening um, until we get a little bit more data in there. Most of the data, uh, the SERP checkers like MozCast, uh, they're showing an increase. Um, but it's interesting, MozCast is showing an increase in uh, algorithmic turbulence on the 10th, um, Algru on the 7th, which considering they're based in Australia, that's, uh, you know, that's a day ahead. So really, you know, they're seeing turbulence from as early as the 6th. And then SEMrush sensor is showing turbulence starting on the 11th. So there was something that's been going on. Um, I know there were some tweets from uh, Dr. Pete said that he saw a couple of sites that um, gained in the August 1st update that had those gains clawed back with this, whatever this update was. Um, and Cyrus Shepard had tweeted that... Uh, he had the opposite. A couple of sites that were hit by the August 1st update um, had recovered some of their losses. I have to say that of all the sites that we've reviewed that were affected on August 1st, I really haven't seen anything that I would call a recovery at this point. Um, and this kind of makes sense because the things that the August 1st update went after are things that are really hard to change. It's not something where you can just tweak a bit of code and, you know, the next time Google crawls your site, you'll regain your rankings. These are mostly issues with trust with your business. We're seeing a real pattern of sites that have negative reviews, um, sites where people have complained about the refunds process, uh, sites that really are selling a product that has no scientific backing, um, things like that. And so, Changing that in, it really means changing your entire business model, uh, which is going to be a challenge for a lot of sites. I, I do think that we will see some sites make a recovery, but I'm predicting it'll be several more months before uh, before we actually see actually see true recoveries that we could call recoveries from this August 1st update. Um, that's it for algorithm updates. I didn't see any obvious dates other than, you know, a couple of, of peaks. I had one site that I put in the newsletter that um, we helped make some improvements in terms of EAT. And uh, they saw a nice little uptick starting September 9th. Um, this site's been seeing upticks with most quality updates for the last few months. Uh, so that's cool. But again, uh, not much else to report on. So let's talk a little bit about Search Console, the beta version, which is now out of beta. It's the main version. Um, Dr. Pete noticed that the uh, error reporting might be off. I checked about t 10 different profiles and all of them in beta Google Search Console said that there were no error pages, whereas their old Search Console showed lots and lots of uh, 500 server errors, things like that. Um, so 
I think Google's aware of that. Hopefully, this is something that'll be fixed. I did have some people say, well, uh, the new Search Console is more accurate, and perhaps old Search Console is reporting on URLs that you know don't exist on your site anymore. Um, really, though, it seems kind of strange to me that every site I looked at said there were zero errors. So I do think I do think that there's some type of um, uh, a bug on Google's side there. So keep an eye out for that. Um, wrote a little bit about Google data set search, and I feel like this is something that um, somebody needs to dive into and do a bit more research on. It looks pretty cool. It looks like you can search different data sets. So the example that Google gives us is to search for Boston education data, and then you get all of these lists of data, basically, that you can use for um, creating content. And this is the type of content that I would urge you to create. People love uh, statistics, things about, you know, um, which state has the most whatever, uh, or people in which city, um, you know, what kind of pets do they tend to have, or things like that. Um, so if you're in charge of content creation for a website, it's probably a good idea to play around with this data set search and see if there's something you can find that's related to your niche. Um, and then you can produce some content around that uh, data. So that's pretty cool. Uh, this is not news, but something that John Mueller mentioned is that manual actions do expire over time. Uh, in my experience, it can take uh, usually up to a uh, um, a couple of years for a manual action to expire. Um, and sometimes, you know, it can be even longer than that. I would not, if you have a manual action in your manual actions viewer, which you can now see in the beta Google search console, then you want to act on that. There's the odd one that probably you could ignore. For example, if you had a manual action for, even then, if you had a manual action for user generated content on just one page, I've seen that happen. Um, then, uh, you know, technically you could ignore it and Google just won't rank that page highly, but really you want to deal with that. Like if you have user generated content manual action, the reason for that is that, uh, users have been allowed to somehow leave, uh, content on your site that, you know, maybe they're link spamming or something like that. So even then you'd want to act on that. So if you do have a manual action, don't rely on it expiring. The other thing that John Mueller said is that often when manual expire, by the time they're expired, Google has figured out how to algorithmically handle that problem. So I find it interesting. I'm seeing a little bit of an uptick in manual actions coming out. And um, it seems to be the sites that are heavily involved in content marketing um, in a way that Google's algorithms have not been able to detect so much. Uh, these sites are getting manual actions. So one of the sites that approached us to have a manual action removed um, we had just recently reviewed their site and uh, we had commented that, you know, the links were a little suspect. And to be honest, at this point, we didn't recommend disavowing because we said, I think it's possible that Google's still counting these links, but we wouldn't build any more like this. Um, and then sure enough, you know, they contacted us to say like, hey, was there a big algorithm update? Because we saw this big drop in rankings. Um, and when we looked, you know, there really wasn't an algo update. Uh, and then we looked in Search Console and they actually had a manual action for unnatural links. What was interesting is that they have not received an email about this. So I don't know if something's broken in um, Google Search Console, but if you have seen a drop in uh, rankings or traffic, you should take a look and see if you have any manual actions there. 
there was a little bit of discussion again by John Mueller on whether you can use, uh, if you have reviews that are on Google Maps or on Yelp, can you actually embed them on your own site? And he said that's fine to do that, but he would recommend not marking them up with schema. Um, so if you think it would help your users to see these reviews, uh, one of the things that he recommended was maybe to do some type of an iframe or an embed. Um, and so, you know, you want people to be able to see your reviews, but you don't want them to be counting for search because Google can see that this content originated elsewhere. Now, it's fine to have a little bit of duplicate content on your site, um, but if you have pages that are made up mostly of information people can find elsewhere, that's often something that... Google's algorithms can find and can consider low quality. I wrote a bit in the newsletter about the new Chrome 69. I don't have this version of Chrome yet, so I it's hard for me to comment, but I'm hearing a lot of things from the SEO community that people don't like. Um, one of the things is that the URLs uh, are missing the HTTPS um, and the www. Now, apparently that's been changed uh, because too many people complained about it that they couldn't copy a URL. Um, and, you know, last week we reported on an article that said uh, that maybe Google's trying to get rid of URLs. I know this is something Cindy Crum has been talking about um, when she speaks on uh, what's happening in the mobile landscape. Um, and, you know, the worry is that Google's just going to make it so that web pages are aren't really that necessary. Um, we already have seen that they want to do as much as they can just in the search results. So um, nothing to really take action on at this point, but when you do upgrade to Chrome 69, be prepared that it's it's quite different. Um, and uh, as far as I know, uh, Chrome just sort of decides when you're going to update. If you haven't closed down your Chrome in a while, it's probably worthwhile to do that so that you can upgrade to the latest version. Um Let's see what else we've got here. Oh, it was interesting. There was an article on Search Engine Journal uh, called How to Scrape the Google SERPs to Optimize for Search Intent. And uh, I thought it was funny when John Mueller made a comment on Twitter saying, it's kind of awkward that you're publishing a guide on how to break our terms of service and webmaster guidelines. So here's the thing. If you're scraping Google... It's against Google's terms of service. Now, if you're doing this on a really small scale, you know, uh, I've scraped Google before uh, trying to find unnatural links. We, you know, we found patterns of maybe footprints from forums and, uh, you know, and then scraped Google to find any place where we had that forum footprint plus one of our client's keywords. And then we looked through that, uh, those sites to see, you know, if any of them were linking to our client. Um, I haven't done one of those in a while though. Uh, and so, you know, the thing is though that, you know, we scraped Google once um, for this and, and that was it. Uh, a lot of these, um, you know, I've heard people saying, well, you know, some of the big tools, they get away with scraping Google. And there's all sorts of complexities to that. So I would not build something that you rely on that um, relies on scraping on Google, scraping Google, uh, because they can, um, you know, they can shut your site down. We've talked in the last couple episodes about pure spam penalties, and I do think that Google can shut down sites. They can give you a pure spam penalty uh, if they know that you're being responsible for scraping the um, uh, scrape, scraping the search results. So be careful if you're uh, thinking of doing that. It's not something that's recommended. Um, I had an interesting case in the uh, newsletter about uh, a question that was asked on Twitter. So Daniel Griffin asked this que uh, question of John Mueller and also of Danny Sullivan. And he said that um, for the site, the subdomain cyber.harvard.edu, 
If you uh, search for this on Bing, Bing shows their HTTPS version. If you search for it on Google, Google shows their HTTP version. And so the question Daniel had was, uh, you know, why is Google not showing HTTPS? And so the things that John Mueller pointed out were that um, this site actually has a canonical tag on it that points to their HTTP version. So they actually can resolve on both, on HTTPS and HTTP. Uh, but Google is respecting the canonical and showing the HTTP version in search. My guess is that this is a mistake. I think this site probably migrated to HTTPS and didn't change their canonical tags. Um, the only other reason I could think of is if um, sometimes some hosts will automatically upgrade you to HTTPS. And if you haven't had the time to go through and you know change all your internal links, make sure all your redirects are in place, you may want to just temporarily put a quick redirect um, to take all those HTTPS pages and redirect them to HTTP until you've had time to sort things out. Anyways, I thought this was an interesting case because uh, a little while back, John had said, you know, don't just look at the big players and copy what they're doing because often they're doing things incorrectly. And this is probably one of those cases. I thought this was interesting too. Um, Amanda Orson tweeted a uh, thing from the O'Reilly Auto Parts uh, website. And this is this thing that's going around social media. And it says, it's a post that says, everyone stop what you're doing. Go to the O'Reilly Auto Parts website. No link provided. I want you to Google it. Once at the website, enter 121G into the part search and you will thank me. Now, this is pretty brilliant, actually. Um, there was something that came out. It was a patent a few years ago that we were talking about where apparently, now again, we don't know if Google's using this patent in the search um, algorithm, but it's possible, where if... Um, people are consistently searching for your brand, that can actually help improve your rankings. And one of the things that was mentioned too was if people were consistently searching for your brand plus a keyword, that, that could help your rankings for that keyword. So for example, you know, when people search for Nike, they often search for Nike shoes. And Google knows that shoes are closely associated with Nike. And so that can help improve their rankings for, um, for shoes. So this is kind of neat because they've actually instructed people, go do a search for our brand name, O'Reilly Auto Parts. Um, and if enough people do that, that probably can help improve rankings. There was a commercial a while back, and I want to say it was for Wayfair, but I could be wrong. It was a TV commercial, and it would say, uh, looking for a washing machine? Just Google Wayfair, Wayfair washing machines. And so they were actually capitalizing on this, um, this idea that people would keep Googling their brand plus one of their keywords, and then they, uh, I'm pretty sure they saw rankings improve for those keywords. So it's an interesting thing. I think that a lot of us are not paying as much attention to social social media as we should. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, I do think that Google looks at what's happening on social media. You know, if tons of people are talking about your brand, that probably speaks to your EAT. Somebody asked John Mueller in a hangout about white space at the top of your pages. Um, so most of you have probably heard of the above the fold page layout algorithm. And this algorithm is designed to demote sites where most of the, the, real, the screen real estate is taken up by an ad. Um, John has said that in the past, a very large image could potentially trigger this, but it's meant to go after ads. And so somebody asked, if I have a design that has a bunch of white space above the fold and that pushes down the content, 
um, you know, would that be demoted with this algorithm? And his answer was that no, it probably would not cause a problem. That said, though, I mean, if you have a bunch of white space and people have to scroll down for your content, that doesn't sound like a good user experience. There was a new manual action that Andrew Shotland tweeted about. I have not seen this before. Uh, it says harmful content, um, uncommon downloads. So the uh, it looks like this is just a normal malware action. Uh, so if Google algorithmically detects that you have malware on your site that's causing people to download a file that could cause them harm, then you can get a manual action. And these can be very serious. So you definitely want to deal with those if you uh, if you get one. Um, just an update on uh, a, a few, probably a couple months ago now, maybe six weeks ago, I um, wrote about a website of mine that uh, dropped when it got a notification for being moved to mobile first indexing. And um, my theory was that the site dropped because there were links that were not present in the mobile navigation. They were present in desktop navigation. And this meant that when Google was just taking the mobile version of the site, uh, they didn't see a bunch of the content on the site because it wasn't linked to from the um, the mobile version. That wasn't on purpose. It was something that uh, uh, happened just because I coded the site myself and forgot a couple of lines. Um, so it's not something that's going to happen on a regular basis. But rankings dropped like the day that we got moved to mobile first indexing. Um, and so just a few weeks ago, I ch I changed the code so that these uh, links were included and it took a while but just uh, in this week the site has returned to all the rankings that they had so the question is whether that return to rankings was because of those links or because there was some kind of an algorithm update this week so it's hard to say um, still I would say that if you are um, you know if you do have a site that is not exactly the same in terms of code for mobile and desktop you really want to make sure that your mobile version has all of the internal links that your desktop version had um, one little thing more about uh, author EAT. We talked about this last week, how there was a quote from John Mueller that sort of implied that Google doesn't look at author EAT algorithmically. Um, I disagreed with the interpretation, though. Somebody asked him again about author EAT and whether authors, you should be having author bios on your articles. And he said... Um, he said it was good for users. He said, quote, if you have a link to an author profile that shows you really know what you're talking about, you go to conferences, you've written about this in different places on the web, that gives people more trust in your content on the web. And all of those things might be reasons why you have an author profile page that you link to from your content. And so, um, you know, he's not confirming that Google uses this algorithmically, but it makes sense. And we recommend that, you know, for most sites, especially if you're writing on a, your money or your life topic, something that's really important to people's lives, you want to have an author bio and you want to show, like, look, this is why you need to trust this person who wrote this post. This person has this many years of experience. Even if you have, you know, if your authors don't have great EAT, there are still things you can write to inspire trust. So you can say, you know, this person's been writing about this topic for 10 years now, and they had this incident that happened in their lives 20 years ago that made them passionate about this topic. Um, things like that. It certainly can't hurt uh, to, uh, to write about that. And it's possible that Google's algorithms can pick that up. I thought this was interesting. Another thing from Dejan Marketing, um, where 
they did a little test to look at content that's behind tabs on mobile. So way back in 2016, uh, Gary Ish had said that when mobile first indexing happens, content that's behind tabs will be given the same value as content that's not hidden. Right now, if you're not moved to mobile first indexing and you have content behind tabs, there's a good chance that Google's treating it with a lower priority. So from what I understand, Dejan took a site that had been moved to mobile first indexing and um, put some content behind tabs. And it was really clear to him that this content was not ranking as well as other content that's on the page. So it's a very small data set. It's not a study that's done on a large scale, but it's still very interesting. And I would be, you know, we see this all the time. We see sites that have their reviews. Um, you know, if you have product reviews and it's hidden behind a tab, you want Google to see this information. If you have any sort of user-generated content that's useful to people, you don't want to hide that behind a tab or in an accordion or in something that requires JavaScript in order to be clicked. Um, this is an interesting reminder about uh, another Google patent. Uh, Bill Swalski tweeted about this where, um, and we've talked about this months ago, but it's a good reminder that there's a patent that says that Google may put more weight on reviews from people who regularly visit that business. So if there's a particular restaurant that I go to a lot, then my review might count for more. Um, if there's a restaurant that I've only visited once, then maybe it doesn't count for so much. And if I recall in that patent, they also talked about how um, you can become an expert in different types of food. So for example, if you regularly went out for Chinese food, um, Google might start to recognize that your reviews of Chinese food are more valuable than somebody else's. And so, um, you know, that's again, something to take note of. If you have regular customers in your business, those are the people that you want to ask for reviews because those reviews are likely, uh, to be the ones that are going to help you. Speaking of reviews, most of you who are in the local space know that it's against Yelp's terms of service to ask somebody for a review. But according to Darren Shaw from Whitespark, he says it's not against Yelp's terms of service to ask for a photo. Um, and so you can ask, uh, you know, people, hey, you took a photo of our business, then put it up on Yelp. And there's a good chance that when they're on Yelp that they're going to leave a review for your site. So again, you can ask the customers that have had a great time, um, a great experience with your business. You can ask them to put a photo up on Yelp, um, but you technically can't ask them to leave a review for you. And we'll end this podcast with uh, some pretty exciting news that um, Joy Hawkins, who, I mean, we mention Joy all the time. She's so good at local SEO, really wonderful person as well. Um, and she and her company, Sterling Sky, have acquired the local search forum from Linda Bouquet. Um, Linda, I've known Linda for years. She was one of the first people. I remember we had a discussion years and years ago about uh, local packs coming out and Linda used to be heavily involved in affiliate marketing. And so she had an affiliate marketing forum and I was dabbling in affiliate marketing at the time. Um, and I remember Linda saying, I'm going to try to do local SEO for dentists. And uh, it just took off. I mean, she learned so much uh, about doing it and became known as an expert in the search community. And I know Linda's got some health concerns that are keeping her from uh, being as active as she wanted to with the forum. And so when I had heard that the forum was sold to Joy, I thought this is the perfect partnership. I mean, uh, it, the fact that, I mean, it's sad that Linda had to sell it, but the fact that it went to Joy is really great. So in terms of SEO forums, I get asked a lot, you know, where where can I go for uh, good advice online? 
the local search forum is one of the better ones. Uh, now, it is geared more towards local search, of course, um, but if you have questions in there, you're likely to get a good answer from somebody who actually practices local SEO. Um, I find that, I mean, I grew up in SEO on the uh, SEO chat forums, um, and they've really declined over the years. I mean, there's a whole lot of spam. You have to sift through a lot of um, unhelpful posts to get to a, a good one. Uh, the Moz Q&A is still, you know, it's pretty decent, although, um, you know, it used to be that we had more experts hanging out there, and I'm guilty as well. I mean, I used to spend an hour a day uh, in forums, and it's been a while since I've done that. We hope to get back to that soon. Um, and who knows, maybe one day we'll have our own forum uh, where you guys can ask us questions. Um, so I'm sort of babbling on now at the end, but I really appreciate that you're listening to this podcast. If you have any feedback for me, you can reach me at marie at mariehaines.com or you can go to um, mariehaines.com slash contact. And uh, I'd love to hear more about uh, what you think about this podcast. Um, we have plans soon to... Uh, hopefully vamp up the newsletter and take away some of the frustrating parts of it. Um, the platform that we're on is it, it needs to be moved. So that's in the works for the next few months as well. Um, and I'll be speaking at a bunch of events coming up. So uh, you can find me at the Optimize event in Cambridge, September 26th. I'll be talking on Google's Quality Raiders Guidelines. Um, I'm super excited for Brighton SEO, September 28th. Again, I'm talking on the Quality Raiders Guidelines. Um, and then PubCon Vegas is really going to be an interesting talk. They've scheduled me to talk about local link building, but I'm actually going to talk a lot about how Google knows which links to ignore. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to doing the research for this talk. I'm, I'm, I've got a little bit of it done, but have a bit more to do. Uh, and then finally, I'll be at the Digital Dealer Conference on October 17th, uh, which is in Vegas as well. Also talking on the Quality Raiders Guidelines. So that's all I've got for you this week. Um, I hope you have a great week, and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings this week. Mm -hmm.